This is a Socialist News and Views special interview. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special interview. In this interview, we talk about running as a socialist in parts of the United States considered to be conservative. Let's go straight to the interview. So on Socialist News and Views, we let folks introduce themselves. You want to tell us who you are? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Delilah Barrios. I was a Green Party gubernatorial candidate for governor um, in 2022. And I define as a socialist. I'm... Um, Indigenous and Latin, and uh, I grew up in Texas my whole life, and I've been a healthcare worker for 20 years, so uh, working in surgery as a CST. Hey, y'all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to all my dedicated medical workers, I love you. I know you work hard. And yeah, that's me. So thanks for having me on your show. Thanks so much. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you ran for governor of Texas, and you ran on the Green Party uh, ticket, and explicitly I saw in your material explicitly highlighting that you're a socialist can you just tell us about that campaign your overall experience and you know how did you do in the election oh yeah well let's see um I think overall we only raised it was below ten thousand dollars honestly and um votes it was it was right around twenty nine thousand last I checked um awesome for the state of Texas, which is kind of, you know, you're like, oh, that's not a lot. But you have to consider um, our, we had a large turnout for Greens this year. One of our, <laughs> one of our late candidates who, who ran and did not pay the filing fee to kind of like, you know, protest the, um, the financial struggle right. to run for office um, got over 100,000 votes. Wow. <laughs> for a land commissioner and he he did zero campaigning completely he was like i'm i don't even have time to answer for emails like i'm busy <laughs> right. i just threw my hat in because i'm trying to help the party and like he's been a long time green and um his name's alfred mollison and if you looked at his uh if you looked him up you'd see he got over a hundred thousand votes for um land commissioner wow. so you know that from these numbers and we had another candidate for texas railroad commissioner country crow and he did really well, too. You know, I think I got fourth in the list. So it was like, Greg Abbott won, O'Rourke um, lost by like 10 million votes, something like that. Um, and then there was Mark Tippett, who's a libertarian candidate. It was the second time running for governor. All of these three have run for office before. And then I came in at fourth, and it was my first time running. And I was the only brown woman on the ballot for that position. Um we had another candidate, um, Deidre, and she was going to be an independent. And she just, uh, at the very end, they rejected her application or something like that. Mm. I don't know what happened, but that's that was the whole kind of layout. So the numbers to me indicate that um, environmentalism is very important to a lot of people in the state, despite the fact that people always call us a red state, that they're really concerned about the future and they're willing to vote green. So these are all positive things that I take away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think all those things you mentioned highlight why it, you know, it is 
so important and it you know especially you know coming in as somebody who hasn't run uh an election campaign before um you know again running independently all these things um you know are going to play a role in how many votes you get and so to get the number of votes that you're talking about i think that's still uh a huge win and of course you know i think um people that are trying to change the world uh you know maybe the way that we use campaigns and the way that we use um you know, political office, uh, you know, is a little different than the way that, you know, career politicians are trying to use it. So, and I don't think I mentioned until I sent you those questions, my, uh, my mom's husband grew up, uh, up outside uh, McAllen, Texas, and my mom and her husband were living in Texas, uh, in the Port Isabel and Brownsville area up until a few years ago, they actually moved up back up to Minnesota during the pandemic. And my impression when visiting, uh, Texas, at least where my mom was, was that, you know, people weren't, super open to socialist candidates. I know Bernie had had some success there. I think he had said it was a lot about, uh, you know, increasing voter turnout. Do you have any suggestions or strategies specifically on how left candidates and more importantly, you know, explicitly socialist candidates, green candidates can have success in what are traditionally, as you mentioned, considered conservative areas of the country? So I think um, one of the things I noticed in my campaign was the messaging and the imagery behind what the Dems were trying to sell to people. Right. And a lot of them were choosing more green cues in their messaging and their their literature. Mm. And a lot of them were talking the talk, you know, like, oh, we care about, you know, environmental sustainability and things like that. But if you look at the content of what these people were saying, you could find all the flaws. People were like, why do you criticize... O'Rourke more than you criticize Abbott and in my mind I feel like I you know criticize them both Mm. about the same but I think what the problem is is that neoliberals are honestly the greatest opposition to leftist ideals policies and movements and Mm. they don't know that they don't even know that they're neoliberals (laughs) and Mm. that's the problem because what most people any demographic care less what you have to say and more about what you're actually doing. Right. And that's the whole thing. It's like, oh, you need to pull all these crowds. You need to have like 15,000 people at an, at a rally. And I'm like, okay, how many of those people are going to be disabled that can come visit and, and listen to our talk? How many of these people, a lot of my strategy, because we didn't, I never had a consistent campaign team the entire time. Mm. <laughs> we talked briefly before this about how, you know, people kind of, volunteer for too much and then they end up not being able to do what they say and things like that right and i struggled with that because you know we didn't have a lot of money i couldn't hire a full-time campaign manager i couldn't hire a full-time you know video graphic designer i and it was hard and it's like you can pretty much with about a 99 percent accuracy rate determine financially who the winner will be in an election based off of how much money there is. And what that tells us is that it's it's like they can basically buy your consent with these elections, depending on how much money there is. Because depending on how much money there is, the media will support them or they won't. They will get access to debate stages or they won't. They'll have literature printed or they won't. And that's part of the problem is that, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, we have to get money out of politics. But they're happy to take from PACs. They're happy to, you know, take money from you know, the billionaire class, unshamefully doing that too. And so it's like, when you really consider 
what the strategy is. For me, being a poor working class person, I know that I don't care about the message. I care about what you're doing with your time. I want to know where you're spending your money. Mm-hmm. I want to know who you're helping, who in the community supports you and why. And a lot of the times, the people that I heard that were like, I'm not going to vote for you because I made, I made a lot of people consider voting green for the first time mm-hmm. they've ever considered, you know? And that was really important to me because I think that you want to get checked off on a box. You know, are you conservative? Are you liberal? And those boxes don't mean anything anymore to people because right. we're in late-stage capitalism, end-stage capitalism. Things are not working as they're intended to at this moment. And so for me, I I really, uh, I think I had more success showing people what I was willing to show up for and devoting my time and energy to the things that they cared about that really let me um, any any credentials throughout this whole process. And so I think that that's really important for people who want to run for office is that you're going to have to put your money where your mouth is and you're going to have to show up sometimes for things and you're going to have to get, you know, you're going to have to answer uncomfortable questions and um, be a little bit vulnerable to, to do this. And if you're not willing to do any of those things, I don't, I mean, I don't think that you should run for office, you know, because that's all going to happen if you're dedicated to what you're doing (laughs) to the people. Yeah. And, you know, we've we've mentioned this a little bit. I saw that unlike some other people that call themselves socialists and they run in the Democratic Party, um, you chose, you run on the green ticket, so independent of the two uh, big corporate parties. And I know you faced attacks from Democrats, and I, I think you made definitely made the right call to run uh, independently from the Democratic Party. Can you reflect on that specific decision? And then if there are any specific lessons, uh, you know, positive or negative that you learned about you know, specifically about running a third-party, quote-unquote, campaign? Yeah, I think, um, you know, (laughs) I have nothing but disdain for Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. He's a terrible president, and he is accused of rape, and he has a long history of being a racist person. So I just, being the party back that guy really opened my eyes to a lot of things and it wasn't until i joined the green party that i learned that um all of these people are educated on the complacency and the corruption of the democratic establishment and a lot of people that are not leftists they they don't have any idea they don't have any idea how deep it goes where this money comes from you know um who's paying for what policies to be on the ballot and things like that. And so like for me, I ran, we did a Medicare for all March down nice. at the Capitol and DSA and the Democrats down here were like, Oh, weird. I was like, I'm going to open it up. I'll, I'll cross party lines to go ahead and invite you guys to come to You're right. welcome to be there and speak. And they were like, no, we're doing our own thing separate. And then they never did. They didn't, so that, that lack of substance, right? They didn't stick behind Medicare for All until they lost all of their backing for Medicare for All. They, they did not push that policy this entire election cycle. And then after the Republicans took over, then they started messaging about it again. Mm. And we were over it, right? Like, we're right. tired of hearing, you talk about policies when it's convenient to you or when your donors say it's okay to do that. If you're a humanitarian, you cannot ally yourself with either of those two corrupt parties. And, and you know, unfortunately, people are not aware of that. They're, they're, they're busy, you know. They're working. They're taking care of their families. They cannot, you know, 
parse through all of the garbage. And and it's really it's like a, we need a drastic social change for people to even feel comfortable calling out their elected officials on the things that they don't make good on. You know. Right. Yeah, and you, you know you touched on it a little bit. Um, you know you talked about the openness to environmentalism down there. You talked about uh, Medicare for all. You know, do you want to touch on some of the other, uh, you know, issues or, or um, focuses of your campaign that you think like really connected with uh, other folks in Texas or are, you know, really important that, uh, you know, people that are that are running in, in places like Texas could could start to focus on to really um, define how they're different from these corporate parties? Yeah, um, you know, I just want to say that the Green Party is is not it's always been there. It's been, it's like the longest peace party on the ballot for Mm. so long. And unfortunately there's a lot of, uh, hesitancy to join. And there's a lot of, um, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to vote blue or you don't care about all these things. Right. You know what I mean? Or, Oh, you know, like even conservatives when they vote, they don't realize that oftentimes they're voting for people who are going to do exactly the opposite of what they're telling them. Right. You know, cause a lot of conservatives are like, Oh, I just don't want my property taxes to go up. Oh, I don't want people to take my second amendment rights away. And those people would take those rights away if the right donor told them to. And yep. that's really the whole problem. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that universal healthcare is, is being really, it's really important to a lot of people. A lot of people have been impacted by COVID in one way or another and so those bills the fact that we cannot you know uh a lot of people's gofundmes are set up for healthcare costs i mean that's a big indicator of what our society looks like right and especially after this mass disabling event people are are more vulnerable than they used to be with their with their healthcare. so i think that's really important to show that you're consistent on that um especially as candidate you have to show in some way shape or form that you're consistent about backing universal health care. Um, and then, of course, you know, with climate change, I think being consistent on, you know, environmentalism and making sure that you're on the right side of things, you're against more pipeline expansion, you're against further displacing and theft of indigenous populations, you have to prove that you are going to stand firm on those things. And, uh, you know, I think for Texas, a state as diverse as this, um, You'll, you'll be able to make a lot of ground with a lot of people, no matter how they define politically, if you're just true to your words and consistent. Yeah, what um, I think before this you had mentioned, uh, what about the uh, the refugee piece? I mean, that's one that uh, is like pretty consistently terrible uh, in the Democrat and Republican Party. Any, anything to add on uh, that or, or what you're uh, seeing, hearing uh, where you are? I mean, you know, Biden's been deporting more people than Trump did. Right. <laughs> Just right. as a fact, please look it up yourself if you do not trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, I think it's Title 42 exemptions. Anyway, they're turning people back. Um, this is all stolen land. Okay. Right. Our country was founded off of capitalism and colonialism. So if you don't know that, just learn it. Because this is a fact. It's true. Um, I think that... You know, as far as the the migration crisis, it is it is interconnected with the climate crisis. Right. Okay? A lot of these people are fleeing countries that the United States destabilized. A lot mm-hmm. of these people would love nothing more than to stay in their native homes, absolutely, in their native lands, 
and and are are being forced by our corruption and our pollution and further colonialism to leave their places. So that's that's something that people need to understand. Is the United States is responsible for most of the migration crisis of people of the refugees. Uh, the United States military is one of the top contributors to emissions. They waste so many emissions just traveling fuel and right. and, and artillery to other areas. Um, you know, we have the most military bases around the world than anybody. You can see by our budgets what's most important to this country, right? And that's um, the war machine. And so, you know, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's always going to be framed as these people want what you have and they're your enemy. Mm. And it uh, takes a little bit of breaking through that conditioning to understand and realize that all of this is very intentional. And <laughs> the people who cause these problems have names and addresses and probably evade taxes. So right. they're the ones who are the true enemy of the working class, not your fellow person, migrant, immigrant, refugee, you know, a person of, a, of another skin tone. These people are not your enemies. We have to focus where we're spending our attention. Um, I don't know a single person who is cruel enough to wish harm on another, thankfully, but mm. I know those people are out there. I know that they exist. I right. know that they are so deluded that they believe all these right-wing conspiracy theory talking points about, you know, um, refugees coming to harm you and harm your community. This is all messaging from the right. And... Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's really hard because people will, will not be able to, to go through it, you know what I mean, and understand, oh, that thing that I just clicked on on Facebook or that, you know, this talking point that I'm repeating without thinking is very intentional, right. you know, and I think that that's really part of the problem. People are like, oh, you want open borders, and I'm like, look into every single tweet I ever sent and tell me where I said that. Mm. And they're like, ah, uh, you know what I mean? And they're just like right. upset because I think that people observe human rights, you know? Right. And I'm like, well, why do you feel upset that, that I want people to have human rights? You know? And I'm con- constantly trying to decondition uh, and radicalize people <laughs> in every single thing that I do. Right. Because they're not aware of it. They're mm-hmm. not aware that they're saying really harmful things, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and believing harmful things. And and that's really, I think as far as this this whole issue i mean socialism has to win like we cannot allow our governments to keep taking most of our wealth <laughs> agreed you know what i'm saying and using it and justifying it to to further you know the military and prison industrial complexes um i think anybody who pays taxes should be you know a little bit outraged you know with where our money is going i think a lot i turned a lot of heads with the uh, ukraine situation i'm we immediately were like this is a proxy war we do not support it mm. uh, we do not support you know sending billions of dollars over to this country right and and now with all of the you know like they've got Zelensky on the golden globes <laughs> like right. people are like i don't like that but they don't know why you know right and so we have to we have to make that information available to people you know and try and get as many people over as possible so that they can start being critical thinkers, you know, yep. and peace activists, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we do as Greens. We're peace activists. It's a peace party. And, you know, it's hard to condition people or to, to break through that conditioning 
that the, you know, military industrial complex is overbloated budget. And, you know, bridging that gap with healthcare, saying, don't you think that money should go towards healthcare, isn't a hard, right? you know, that's not a hard conversation. A lot of people would be willing to agree on that. It's, you know, it's the other things that they're they're still not sure of. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds like you're saying we got a lot of uh, education to... Uh to do in the, uh, in the near term here to, uh, cause a lot of people don't even know like the history of their own country, for example, like, uh, that's... that is true, <laughs> but they have thoughts on Ukraine. Oh, I, I know. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, they have very strong thoughts on Ukraine, but they don't even know anything about what's going on in the United States or the history of the United States really, uh, or the history yeah. of the Americas, uh, or, uh, you know, indigenous lands, uh, et cetera. Right, right. And I think, um, you know, the decolonized movement is, is a really important one, but I think people don't quite grasp what that means, you know? And so it's like, I mean, even within my own party, like, I'm like, I got censored in a meeting for calling somebody a shit lib. Mm. <laughs> they were like, we need to send all of our money to Ukraine. And I was like, oh my God. What's wrong with you? We have a whole houses population in like most metros. Like we don't have high speed rail. We don't have free healthcare. We don't have decent education. That's what you're worried about. That's where your focus is. You know, and it's like, it, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of education. And I think, um, you know, that's part of the, the struggle with the left, right? Like we have a lot of, uh, and, and I would say it's about the same on the right. Because a lot of their people that are really loud and have those opinions, they're not the majority, right? right? Like Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't speaking for all of her constituents. She's not speaking for all of her party. Does she distract the media? Yes. And that's great for them, right? Because they've got work to do. Right. They've got work to do taking away your rights as a patient. They've got work to do making sure that most of your money goes to them. And that's, that's, that's the problem. Well, a lot of people parrot those talking points, but of course they don't actually have any basis or if you, you know, if you drill a little further down, like they don't have any actual like information or like, you know, background that like got them to that point. They're basically just taking the talking point and then they go and then they just say the talking point. I mean, I've found that a lot anyway. Yeah, and the media de- definitely plays a role in that. I, oh, yeah. I couldn't even get into Huge. the debates because I didn't raise $50,000. That was right. the baseline. Yep. Well, I really appreciate you talking with me. I really appreciate you running your campaign. And, uh, you know, it's an inspiration. I think, you know, a lot more people should be getting out there wherever they are and trying to learn how to do this stuff and what it means and what kind of reaction they'll get. Um, you know, before you go, is there anything else you want to say or share about, you know, third party campaigns, your campaign, other, uh, types of campaigns or upcoming events or things you want to plug? Um, yeah. And thank you for inviting me. I I enjoyed speaking with you. Um, yes. Well, I'm on social media still. I'm not currently running for anything, but I do offer, you know, I can offer consulting and things like that if people want. Sure. Um, I did want to mention that, um, PSL is going to have a rally next weekend at the Capitol and I'll be speaking there um, because it's the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And, Mm. um, you know, most people may or may not be aware, but Texas uh, lost rights to abortion after SB 8 passed. It's been Mm. over a year now. And so um, we have a lot of people that are in a medical struggle um, for autonomy. And so that's important. And that's an important cause 
And we cannot Absolutely. rely on Supreme Court to protect our rights. We have to show up and we have to be the voice for change because nothing's going to happen without the people. Like people power is essential to every movement. Mm-hmm. And then also I wanted to mention um, there is the uh, Uhuru movement, which is um, Uhuru is Swahili for liberation. And the African Socialist Party, um, their chairperson, their chair, uh, chairman, Omali Yeshitele, he got targeted by the FBI and they raided his house and they raided another, um, you know, socialist org's house mm. um, where they do a lot of their organizing. Right. And so it's called, let me get the website for you real quick. Absolutely. Um, oh, hands off Uhuru. It's U-H-U-R-U dot org. Um, they are raising money to make sure that they can, you know, protect themselves from further abuses by the FBI, CAA, or whoever may be targeting the uh, socialist liberation movement. And so please, um, if you have, you know, an inkling to donate, donate to them um, at tanzalfaguru.org. And, um, yeah, just keep in mind that... Um, the fight for liberation is a universal struggle and there's a place for you in that struggle. And please join us if you can. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll include links to all the stuff we talked about here, including to your uh, campaign uh, documentation and the hands off Uhuru movement uh, and other stuff that we discuss. And if I don't get this out in time, uh, we'll uh, include any coverage of the, uh, of the rally for the PSL rally for uh, healthcare, uh, abortion rights, abortion access, uh, in the post quote unquote post row world, yeah, we definitely can't. Yeah. Re- we couldn't rely on the Supreme Court to help us before, and we certainly can't rely on the Supreme Court to help us these days. So, I right. really appreciate you speaking with me, and yeah, I encourage everybody to get involved where they can and where they are. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. Bye. And that's our special. Thanks again for listening. Solidarity. This has been a Socialist News and Views special interview.